0: Well, today is uh, our sixth Sunday to be uh, working on the Beatitudes, and uh, I think it's good to read uh, the Beatitudes again. And uh, hopefully, uh, as we keep on reading them for the ne- for the last six uh, five days, and even for the next uh, few more days, I do pray that we will be able to get a grasp of the significance of uh, the beatitude. And let's uh, all uh, read it uh, together. Seeing the crowds, he went up into the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, For your reward is great in heaven. For so the persecuted the prophets who were before you. Praise the Lord for the reading of His Word. But this uh, afternoon we'll be focusing uh, our attention to the uh, sixth uh, beatitude, Romans uh, Matthew five eight. It says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see." God there is a Christian psychiatrist named Dr. James Fisher he was well known and widely traveled uh, he went throughout the world looking for the positive qualities that make for good mental health and I think you and I uh, would be interested how to stay stable and mentally healthy he said I dreamed of writing a handbook that would be simple, practical, easy to understand and easy to follow. It would tell people how to live, what thoughts and attitudes and philosophies to cultivate, and what pitfalls to avoid in seeking mental health. And quite an accident, I discovered that such a work had been completed. He said, it's the Beatitude. What an amazing admission I would go so far to say that once a person absorbs the principles which underlie the Beatitudes and live by them, then that person will never again fall prey to serious depression or despair. How sad so often that the Christian church has to refer as depressed and discouraged people to the mental health experts of the world when we hold in our hands the blueprint for healthy, abundant living. It's profound. And being a psychiatrist, I agree with him. There are a few things that I may want to add, but what he said is true. But before we'll go to the verse we want to study and understand, it is good to put it into context how it was during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ when he started the ministry. During our Lord's days, Israel was in disparate condition. Politically, Israel lost its freedom and was under the bondage of the Roman Empire. Economically, Israel was struggling because the Romans exacted exorbitant taxes from the people so that people were having to give up much of what they worked hard to earn in unfair taxation. Spiritually, Israel was in great trouble. The, The people of Israel were burdened by the oppressive authority of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the dominating religionists of the time. They were ones who misinterpreted the law of Moses as something that was in itself a legal code, which could attain salvation. We had, in addition to the law of Moses, added myriad other laws and rules and ordinances that really composed and imposed a relentless rigid system of duties on the people which were really impossible to perform. Consequently, the people were not able to live to the existing religious requirements of their time that left them feeling frustrated and guilty. They were crying for a Redeemer in every one of those areas, knowing that long before God made a promise of them of a Redeemer, they knew God is holy, that God has established a righteous standard, the law, but they violated it. They tried and could not keep it. A great question lingered in their minds, what kind of righteousness was needed for them to be accepted into God's kingdom? What does God require of them? Let us try to examine the verse as carefully as we can in the next 20 minutes or so. Again, the verse said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The word blessed, I think we have spoken that a few times in the past, and simply it's translated as happy. No, in Greek, it refers to happy condition. The Lord is not talking about any superficial outflow of emotion. It refers to a distinctive religious joy, which accrues to man from his share in the salvation of the kingdom of God. Being blessed is a condition of well-being, spiritual well-being resulting from salvation in Christ. It is spiritual prosperity. Being blessed is happiness because of divine favor. The blessedness which belongs to the children of God is not the blessedness which is postponed to some future world of glory. It is a blessedness which exists here and now. It is not something that God's children will enter It is something into which he has entered. The Greek word of bliss in English describes that joy which has its own secret in itself, that joy is serene and untouchable, and self-contained, that joy which is completely independent of all chances and the changes of life. The Christian has serene and untouchable joy which comes from walking, Forever in the company and in the presence of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ said in John sixteen twenty two, no one can take that joy from you. So Christ said, blessed, happy, joyful. And at the same time, he said that that kind of feeling you no know, does not rest on circumstances or changes in your life or any chances it's with you. But then he said, "Blessed are the pure in heart. The first thing that came to my mind, as I was thinking in the last few weeks, pure. First thing that came to my mind was gold. You know, some women knows uh, what is 10 carat or 14 carat or 18 carat or 24 carat. And they look at the price and the preciousness of that gem according to the number of carats. Or you look at diamond. I mean, there are lots of ways of looking at the diamond, the color. And also even find out are the, if there are impurities in there, and I said about it: Is it really uh, what the Word of God is thinking? I was thinking of just pure. But when I begin to study about it, the basic meaning of pure in Greek is simply being clean, unmixed, unadulterated, and unalloyed. Now you and I have heard the word "catharsis" in English, or cathartic. If you are involved with doctors, and many of us perhaps have given some of our children about this cathartics. Remember, milk of magnesia is a good cathartic. The word catharsis or cathartic comes from the Greek word meaning cleansing from filth and impurity. The cathartic medicine is an agent used for purifying and for cleansing. I'm not sure. Now, there are several of us who are already 50 and above, and perhaps few of us have experienced what is to go through the colonoscopic exam. Before the examination, we will be drinking something that's a cathartic. What to cleanse us, our guts. And that's what it means. To be pure is to be cleansed from dirt. It means also that we should be single-minded in our devotion to God. And therefore, we will be morally pure inwardly. And Psalm 24, 3 and 4 says, Who shall descend the hell of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. To be pure is to be free from the impurity of falsehood and deceit. And in James 4:4 4, 4 also he talks about being double-minded. And he continues in verse 8, and talking about a man who double-deep between God and the world. And James said that being a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. To be pure in heart is to have an and hypocritical faith, hypocritical faith. It is to will one thing, namely God's truth and God's value in everything we do. The aim of pure heart is to align itself with the truth of God and magnify the worth of God. To be pure in heart is to love the Lord with all our hearts, not with part of our heart, not with a double or divided heart, that would be impurity. It should be that we love him with all, nothing less, but all of our heart. Purity of heart is no deception, no double-mindedness, and no divided allegiance. Psalm 51.6 says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And Isaiah 66 6 says I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offering the most religious in Israel and the most religious even today as far as society is concerned are those who make the most religious effort externally the Pharisees always washed their hands and washing their pots and pans. They always were working on the outside and ignoring the inside. They were fighting everything down to the smallest seed possible. They're going through their ritualistic prayers, but they ignored love and justice and truth as the Lord pointed out when the Lord has discoursed with them. How about the heart? What is it? The heart, as used in the scripture, most commonly refer to the mind, the thinking part of our being. It does involve emotion, which is part of thought. The heart is the source of who we are. It is a symbol of our inner person, As we think in our heart, so are we. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Our heart is the source of what is best and what is worst of us. Jeremiah 79 says, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And in Genesis chapter 6, it says that every intention and thoughts of the man's heart was only evil continually. The Lord said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. David in Psalms, Fifty-one ten said, and cried to the Lord, create in me a clean heart. Purify me. So what God is looking for, he's looking for a people who have their heart cleaned, who have the core of their nature regenerated, people who have been washed, Psalm said, Cleanse your hands of sinner and purify your hearts. The purity or catharsis of our hearts only occur at the point of our salvation. And this is the imputed righteousness wherein Christ imputes to us his very righteousness. When you and God receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He clued us with his righteousness. And the Father sees us, not our own righteousness, but it is the righteousness of Christ. That's why you and I can freely go and fellowship with him in his word and in prayer. We are challenged that we should go to the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we have the righteousness of Christ in us. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 said, I do not have the righteousness of my own, but that which is of God given to me through faith in Christ. What is required is imputed purity by faith in Christ and God granting to us That purity. Many of us, I think, uh, know who Oswald Chambers is. I think many of us have read his book, the devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. And this is what he wrote. He said, Purity is not innocence. Purity is the outcome of sustained spiritual sympathy with God, we have to grow in purity. The life with God may be right and the inner purity remains unsolid and yet now and again, the bloom of the outside may be solid. God does not shield us from this possibility because in this way, we realize the necessity of maintaining the vision by personal purity If the spiritual bloom in our life with God is getting impaired in the tiniest degree, we must live everything and get it put right. Remember that vision depends on character. The pure heart see God. What is it to see God? Moses said, I beg you, show sure me your glory. Remember that? In the mountain? The psalmist said, As a deer pants for the water, so pants my soul after thee, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The disciples ask, show us the Father. No, you and I see God in history, in circumstances, in creation. We see God clearly in revelation in the scripture. We see him working in the lives of people around us. And you and I experience and see God working in each one of us. To see God is synonymous to having an intimate knowledge of an acquaintance with him. And we see God through the eyes of faith. Let, let me read to you John chapter 14 from 7 to 10. This is what Christ said to Philip. If you have known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and seen him. Philip said to him, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said said to him, I have been with you so long, and you still do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Purifying our soul cleanses our vision of the soul so that we see God. But one day, there will be a day when God himself will dwell among us His glory will no longer be inferred from lightning and mountains and roaring seas and constellations of stars. Instead, our experience of him will be direct. His glory will be the very light of which we move, and the beauty of his holiness will be tasted directly like honey in our tongue. Yes, someday we will see him face to face, as he is with all his glory. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. No, God is not done with us yet. To have a pure heart or a purified heart is a daily experience. We need to keep ourselves close to him. We need to keep ourselves away from the world. I know that you and I are still in the world, and the power of sin is still around. But that is in time we are more powerful than Satan. Every day we need to go to his word of grace and continue to ask, please give us a clean heart. Let me end this short talk by quoting Colossians 1, 9, and 10, And may this be also our prayer, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. No, I hope and I pray that this very beatitude is really true and you and I can experience how the Lord is working in us. And we can see him transforming us, changing our hearts on a daily basis. That one day, One day, we'll build like Christ and we'll be glorified with him. And I thank the Lord for that. And I hope that you and I will grow together and be like him.